0: Well, really excited uh, this last uh, Friday night for our outreach to the youth in our community. Uh, our fifth quarter, we had 70 kids uh, that came. And so, uh, yeah, very cool. And this morning, uh, since we had teenagers here, I thought we would do a little review like they did in high school. Uh, so we're going to review. So if this is your first time that you've ever been here before, or uh, you've just recently been coming, uh, we're going to review the whole summer in about two minutes. So you're going to be like, wow, I can skip another 12 weeks and no, 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 you can't do that. But uh, that's what we're going to do. So we've been talking about this concept of staying in the flow. And we use this image of a promised life. And there is this promised life that Jesus has for every single one of us that he wants us to be a part of, to experience, uh, to uh, connect with. And it's a life in the flow. But then we talked about how for most of us, if we were really, really honest, our life doesn't look like that on the left side. It looks more on the right. And we called that reality. And. In between what is really going on in our lives, reality and the gift of the promised life, of an abundant life, there is this gap that takes between uh, those two. And what happens is people try to fill that gap. And this is the way they do it. Some people try to just get more spiritual. And so they work harder. They try to do more things. Other people uh, just fake it. And they just fake that they're this loving Christian to everybody, but they're not living in the promised life whatsoever. And some people just finally give up and go, hey, I'm throwing up my hands. I can't make it anyways. Um, That's kind of where we're at. And for you and I, the reality is that this idea of trying to work harder or fake it or just give up isn't going to get us to the promised life. But Jesus talked about the idea that there is something that can fill this gap. And what fills this gap is his spirit. That when Jesus died and went to the cross and then rose three days later and then was here for 40 days and then ascended back into heaven, he said, before I go back to heaven, I'm going to leave with you a gift, a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that if you jump into that gift, my spirit, and you stay in the flow of my spirit, you will experience a promised life. Not just waiting until you get to heaven, but you can actually experience abundance and promise while you're here on earth. And your job and my job is simply not to get in the way of the flow of God's spirit. And we use kind of a scripture verse That focuses in for this whole series that we've been on. Uh, Let's read this out loud together. Uh, Jesus said these words. Let's read it out loud together. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. And anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, that there is this flow that comes out of them, which is God's spirit. And there is a promised life, an abundant life, that we are flowing either toward or we're staying stuck in reality. But if we stay connected to the Spirit, it leads us to this abundant life. And again, my job and your job isn't to have to do a whole bunch of stuff like a checkoff list of uh, spiritual a- uh, aerobics that we have to do. But what we can simply do is say, I'm going to stay in the flow of what God's Spirit is. Now, the reality is, though, you and I don't always stay in the flow, do we? There are times in which we mess up. There are times in which we fall. There are some times in which we totally wipe out. But even when we wipe out, there is another wave that comes. You see, who makes the waves in the ocean? Who is it? God does. And every time a surfer wipes out, there's just another wave that comes that he, he can get back on again and enjoy. And that's what grace is. Another wave, another wave, another wave of his love and grace flying within us. And we said if that if a person is really uh, in the flow and they're heading towards this promised life, then there should be a change in them. Like you shouldn't look the exact same way you are today. Uh, than you did a month ago or a year ago or 10 years ago, but you should be growing and changing and looking different. And the way that we said people can see that is that we actually put off some things like resentment or anger, that we put off anxiety, and what we put on are things like God's peace and His love. And last week, we talked specifically about the concept of greed and that with greed... Um, it leads us down a wrong road. And it's a desire that all of us have. Our desires sometimes lie to us, and they lead us down a wrong road. And today, what I want to talk about is desire and getting our desire right. That we can understand the role of desire actually in our spiritual life. That there are desires that we have that we can use to honor God with. So let me start with this thought. Sometimes we sing songs around here uh, in the beginning of our worship time and there'll be lyrics that say things like this. God, you are all I desire. I give you my life. I, I give you my heart. These kind of words. And I just wonder, are those words true for you? Because... What i found in my own life is that sometimes when I'm singing those songs, I'll be right there and I'll be singing the lyrics and I'll get this twinge in my spirit. And it's like, I want that. I really, really do want you to be the center of everything that I do. But I also want a lot of other things too, God. For example, sometimes I want really good pizza. Like Last night, we got Pizza King, and when we got it, it felt like, you know, just heaven on earth, you know? And we we ate pepperoni and sausage and ham, and it was just wonderful. And sometimes I like good pizza. Sometimes I just want sunny days. I don't want it to rain. I want to do good work. I want to see the Colts actually win a preseason game, you know, like they did last night. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to achieve goals. I want to laugh. Like sometimes I really want to laugh really hard. Now, I understand the spirit in all of these songs. I'm not putting down the lyrics of the songs. I want that too. But the reality is, is that sometimes I want to do what God wants me to do. But sometimes I want to do some other stuff too. And so the question that I have for all of us this morning is this. Is it wrong to want things other than God? Or should it be true that all I want is God? Dallas Willard, the great Christian uh, writer, wrote these words. they will come up on the side screen. God is so big, he does not demand to be the only thing we desire. God is so big that he doesn't demand that that be the only thing that we desire. You see, God does not sit from heaven like an egomaniac going, give me some more worship. Give me some more worship. He's humble. He's gracious. His goodness is so vast and inevitable that without a shadow of a doubt, what happens is it spills out into the things that we actually desire. And he just can't help it. Our God is so good that He doesn't want everyone to demand that we look at Him all the time and only Him when people look at things that He created. Have you ever just looked at the created things that He's, that he's done before? And You look at that and you're like, Oh man, that is so cool. I desire that. I want that. And every time that that happens, God's heart is pleased. The key for us is to... Not get our desires out of the right order. We need to desire things, but not the wrong things, the right things in the right degree of the time we spend in them. Now last week we talked about how wrong desires can lead us down a wrong path. And at the root of it is sin. And how they can take us out of the flow. You can be in the flow of the Spirit and all of a sudden a desire comes and you start going down a wrong way and you get out of the flow. And the place where we find this is in the very first story of the Bible in Genesis. While there are only two human beings that are present. Sin occurs and this is what it says. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree... And she saw it, and it was good for food and pleasing to the eye. And also, what's the next word? And also what? Desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. What was the fruit? It was what? It was desirable. And sometimes what happens is we might go down a road and we're focusing in on wrong desires. And those are the desires that get us into trouble. So here's what happens, I think, to many people, especially many Christ followers. They simply get everything kind of mixed up into one distorted approach. To desire. And here's the distorted approach. The best way to avoid sin is to remove desire altogether. The best way to avoid sin is just simply to remove desire altogether. If I just didn't want anything... If I didn't want sex, if I didn't want money, if I didn't want food, if I didn't want pleasure, if I didn't want success, if I just didn't want any of those things, then I wouldn't ever sin. But it's real important to understand, folks, that that is not God's plan. That is not God's desire for the human race. God does not stand from heaven on his gold kind of throne looking down at us going, eliminate desire. Desire is bad. Remove every desire. No, it doesn't do that. This is not the message of the God of the Bible. He simply says, choose the right road for the desires that you have over the wrong road. Now, does anybody know who this is? Cookie monster, right. And what does the cookie monster desire? Cookies. cookies. Some guy up front thought he was real funny. He goes, peaches in the first celebration. That's why you guys are smarter than the first celebration people, you know. So, yeah, cookies. Cookies. Cookie Monster has this thing for cookies, and the Cookie Monster philosophy is simply this. I am a collection of appetites to be gratified. I'm just a collection of appetites, and they need to be gratified. And our whole culture, in fact, a lot of smart people are devoted to trying to convince us in this philosophy. So our culture says life is about gratification of desires And yet there's this kind of church Christian perspective that says, no, it should be the elimination of desires because all desires are wrong. Now, do any of you know which world religion it is that one of their central themes is for people to eliminate all desires? Anyone want to take a guess? It's Buddhism. Buddhism is a religion based upon removing desire. But, you know, I was looking at some pictures of Buddha this week. We have a picture of him here. He doesn't look like he got rid of all his desires. You know what I mean? In fact, if you put the two of them together, you know what I mean? Like it's desires. But that's not what Christianity says. And again, I'm not making fun of Buddhists by any means. I'm just saying, here's a picture, and it says eliminate desire, but that's not the picture that we see. And so, Christianity says this, the culture tells us that we should gratify every single desire... Some Christ followers and Buddhists say, no, 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 what you should do is eliminate every desire, but the message of Jesus, folks, is neither one of those. The message of Jesus is that you should be transformed by your desires to look more like Jesus. That every time a desire comes, it's not good or bad, it's neutral. But what you do with that desire, and if you follow in the face of Christ, it can have great impact for your life and the people around you. I mean, desire, uncorrupted by sin, is fabulous. That's God's design. Psalm 145 speaking to God, wrote these words. The psalmist, speaking to God, wrote these words. The eyes of all. In other words, he's saying the eyes of everything, every creature you ever made, all of the eyes, God, look to you and you give them food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the what? The desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. And this next one is such a great line. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the, what's it say? It says desires. Think about it for a moment that the role of desiring creation. God does a whole bunch of creating at the very beginning of his story. And in the midst of creating everything, he places some desires within his creations, like the desire to drink and to eat and to reproduce. He made birds to fly, dolphins to swim, squirrels to climb, and sweat bees to bug you and I. Have you noticed how many sweat bees there have been lately? My daughter's on a soccer team and parents sit out there and the whole time you're just like this. Like the whole time. But he actually created them to pollinate and create things for us and make the creation all good. And he makes all things. And he makes them with desires, with instincts within them. And God doesn't plant wrong desires in his creatures. Now let's go to human beings. How do you think Adam ever got to the point to have a desire to be one flesh with Eve? Do you think God like gave him a checklist and said, okay, I want you to name the animals, take out the trash, and be with one flesh with Eve? No. One day, the, the Hebrew word actually is ish for male, And female, it is Isha. And when woman was created, Adam stood there and he's like, Isha, ah, ooh la la, mama, me like woman, you know? It wasn't like he had to create that because God already placed that desire in him. God places desires within people. That's God's creation. And God delights to satisfy our desires. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 37. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the what? The desires of your heart. But you have to delight in the Lord, which means you have to do what the Lord says. You stay connected. You stay in the flow of the Spirit. And if you stay in the flow of the Spirit, He wants to meet the desires of your heart. Now, this is the problem. Maybe none of you have this problem. I do sometimes, though. Sometimes, I don't just want to delight in the Lord. I want to delight in me. I want to delight in me, myself, and I. Chris Bunch's Holy Trinity, you know, me, myself, and I. And when I do that, my desires get really junked up. And there's this distortment that happens within my sin. Now, let me be crystal clear at this, because some of you will leave and you will not get anything except this. He said, all my desires are from God. So I should just go gratify whatever one's out there. No, 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 no. God gives us desires to go down a right road to honor him in all things so that we stay in the flow of his spirit. It's an indication. Just because you you get a desire, it is not an indication to go gratify it. But what I'm saying is, what if, what if, what if God's plan is that every time... You have a God-given desire that is placed within you, that God plants it within you. Every time you have that authentic desire, He wants you to fulfill it. Because when that happens, when those desires that are from God come to me and I fulfill it, I get to know that God is so good, God is so very good to want to satisfy my desire. What if our desire can be a part of that river of life? What if God's spirit that he gives to us and that is within us, what if desires are a part of that process and that it's flowing so strongly? What if our desire is a part of that whole flow? Now, for the rest of our time, I want to talk about five desires that you and I have in life, categories in life. Again, Desires, folks, are neither good nor bad. They're neutral. But if the desires make us more selfish or demanding or isolated or hoarding money or focusing on yourself rather than serving other people, then what does it happen? It quenches the flow of that spirit. It like removes it. And it keeps you out of the flow. But if pursuing an authentic God-honoring desire is leading you to a promised life and you become more loving and more joyful and more giving and more honest and truthful, more filled with gratitude and serving sacrificially to other people, then it could be that it's because God has placed that desire within you and he wants to satisfy. Now, I want you to know up front, when you look at these desires here in a second, you're going to be like, they don't seem very spiritual up front. But, if we surrender them to God, He can really take the desires and impact our world in a great way. So, let's look at the first one. The first one is material desires. Material desires. There are desires that are attached to things like our possessions and our finances. Again, these things can get junked up, and it happens a lot, but if you could purge away all of that junk kind of stuff, and you let the material possessions that you have to be used to honor God, it could be amazing. Because this is the truth, folks. All stuff, all your stuff, all stuff that you see is simply a gift given from God. And he says, use it. And if it's a gift from him, then it can be desirable. Okay, how about this? Does anybody here like money? Anybody here like money? Oh, some of you. Are you all liars? Like, seriously? <laughs> nope, not me. In fact, I just wish all the money from my bank account could just go away. Let me, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, let me tell you about a woman in the Bible who was a very wealthy woman. She liked money, actually. Her name was Lydia, and her story is in Acts chapter 16. So if you want to look at it this week, it's in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, Acts 16. Now, she is the first convert to Christianity in all of Europe. She was a businesswoman in textiles. She had an eye for design, and she had a flair For making a lot of money. Think about this for a moment. Imagine the amount of passion and drive and skill it would take for a woman to succeed in business during ancient times. When women were considered second class citizens. And that the human race lived in servitude and poverty. And just imagine now. You're that person. And the vast majority of the people didn't have businesses They simply were trying to plant a few seeds and live off of that. It was like, you know, hand to mouth working in agriculture. But here's this woman named Lydia who finds out she has this knack and this desire to create textiles and to sell them and she becomes extremely successful. And she actually has enough money that she buys her own house. Most people lived underneath the stars or they were renting off a very wealthy landlord. But no one kind of owned their own house, especially a woman. And her house, apparently, is so big that she can do Christian ministry out of it. And Lydia's house becomes the first church in all of Europe. And you think of all the cathedrals in Europe, and amazing as they are, But the very first one of a church was at Lydia's house. Now, here's the truth. Some of you have a flair for making money. You're good at it. You know how to make money. You do it very, very well. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should enjoy it. Now, a minute ago, when I said, how many of you like money and making money? A lot of you lied. But some of you are really, really good at it. You do it really well. And when it comes to our possessions and the things that we love, that in and of itself isn't bad. They're all things given to us by God's hand anyway. They're They're beautiful. Now, again, though, if that craving to make more and more money just gets you to the myth of more like more and more and more and more and more and and it starts choking off like this generosity from you and it causes you to live in debt or it causes you to never give a tithe 10% of your income to the church and it kind of has this sense of, of impulse of the flow of the spirit kind of gets you to the point where you don't want to be in the flow of the Spirit, you just want more money and items, then it might be not God's desire, but it's your desire and you have to think about what are the things that I would have to deny in the midst of this. Some of you have wealth and possessions that you could use to impact other people. In fact, some of you have possessions and wealth that if you gave it away, you'd never even miss it. Has that ever happened to you before? You give something away and at first you think, oh, this is going to be hard. And then like two days later, you don't even miss it. And some people could do that. I got a phone call from a guy this week who's a CEO of a company, new position that he has, extremely uh, good with making money. And he called me up and he said, uh, hey, I've got some rental property here and I'm fixing it up. But I've kind of decided that I don't want to rent it out for the amount that I was going to rent it out for. And I don't want to flip the house. I was thinking about doing that. I actually want to take this house and I want to fix it up really, really nice. And then I'd like someone from the church to move into it. And they would pay a small, small amount, but just something so that they would own kind of the worth of it. And he said, do you know anybody that could use that? And there was a a couple in the church. They're extremely dedicated. They don't make a lot of money, but I know they give generously of everything that they have. And uh, I said, yeah, I think I do know somebody. And uh, he said, well, great. Let them look at it, connect it, and do everything. And uh, we'll get this together. And they're going to meet this week. And when I was on the phone... Have you ever experienced this before? You're on the phone with somebody and they're telling you what they're going to do and it's a story. And you can almost just feel like on the other side of the phone, they're smiling. He's taking a loss. He's going to lose everything. He's going to put a lot of money into this and not get anything back. But he wants to be able to do it. And I'm telling you, as I'm listening to him on the other side of the phone, I'm thinking that guy is living in the flow. There's joy that is coming out of him because of that. And again, folks, you can get off track with material desires, but you can also use them in great ways to stay in the flow. Here's the second category. Achievement desires. Achievement desires. Some of you have a desire to achieve things because God has planted that desire within you. God created you to be fruitful. God made you to partner in having dominion over the earth to be good to all things that are created. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. In other words, do everything to the best of your ability so you can achieve Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, is considered one of Jesus' closest followers. He was a high-level achiever. In fact, as I think of the history of the world, there is no one who has impacted Western civilization more than Paul himself. He's had a huge, gigantic impact. I mean, he was like this bundle of energy. You can see it when you read his Letters in the New Testament. And he's like always constantly moving and teaching and building and touching lives and impacting people in great ways. And he describes his life with metaphors like this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. God did not take away Paul's desire to achieve. He harnessed it. So that he could serve other people. For some of you, maybe you have a really strong desire to achieve a lot in your career. I just had breakfast a few weeks ago with a person who is achieving some great things in their occupation. And I didn't sit there going, you really should deny yourself all of this achievement. And eliminate desire from, no, I was like, dude, go for it. Like you achieve everything because what happens in the workplace, folks, when you're the best worker, when you achieve things, other people see that and they're drawn to it. And pretty soon what they start doing is they ask questions. And it's a great opening to say the reason I do these things is because I want to honor the God who knows me best and loves me most. That's why. I long for the jar to be filled with people who are achieving things all the time when we sit in the newspaper. Why? Not for themselves, but so that God can be honored and other people can be cared for. Some of you have a great desire to achieve things. Now, if this desire leads into workaholism... Or neglecting prayer or neglecting reading your Bible or blowing off worship or using people rather than serving them or neglecting your family. That's not what God's calling you to do. You need to deny and change and do something different. But if that's not the case, and you're growing in your faith, and you're growing in prayer, and you're growing in all those things, that's a desire from God. Keep on achieving, man. Win every single award that you can. Achieve everything that you can. Revel in the joy of the accomplishment of others, and take the time to thank God for the fact that He gave you the gift to achieve. The desire to achieve. Next one relational desire, relational desire. Now this one's a little bit safer to admit because every single one of us has a desire for relationships. We do. And we have them because we were created in the image of God. And God exists in Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of all things, there was this perfect relationship of God working and moving. And we're made in that image. And that's why all of us desire relationships. Now, regarding desire, I think about a guy in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. A guy by the name of Jonathan. And Jonathan was the son of the first king of Israel, King Saul. And King Saul was this king that was powerful, and Jonathan was the next one in line. So Jonathan's going to be king. He's the heir apparent to the throne. And within time, though, he builds a friendship with another guy named David, And as he talks to David, as he hangs out with David, he's like, dude, I should not be king. You need to be king. And, And he finds out that God has been calling him to be king. And this is the strange thing. If you were next in line to be king, but you had a friend who you knew would be a better king than you, would you still want to be king? You don't have to answer that. I think I know the answer. But Jonathan valued friendship more than power. And he said, I'd rather you be king even if I die. And Jonathan eventually did die by the sword. What do you think, what kind of value did he put on friendship? I mean, he was like all about relationship. And some of you. Have a desire within you to have relationships. But just because you have a desire doesn't mean you're pursuing them. That's the problem. Some people say, oh, I want relationships, but they never pursue them. You get too busy. There's a checklist that you go, oh, i got to do that first. There's other priorities. And if a deep relationship doesn't just fall on my lap, then I give up. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Deep, healthy relationships never just fall on your lap. They take hard work to build and to grow and to strengthen. So if you have deep relational desires, if you say, man, I I have this hunger, I have this fight within me to pursue this, then get some relationships. Relationships. That's why we have a small group table right by the door when people leave. Because it's not just for you to walk by, it's to actually stop and say, maybe there are some relationships here I could build into and I could go deep with them. And some of you have amazing skills with relationships. You're great relationship builders. You should be in a small group to care for people who struggle with that. Or maybe you can open your home, but something where that desire is being met. Next category, physical desires. Physical desires. You have a body. And because you have a body, and your body was made by God, you have desires that are related to certain appetites within your body. Some of you like to eat certain things. You like to drink certain things. You like to look at certain things. You like to smell certain things. Some of you like physical challenges for your body. Now, interestingly enough, throughout the Old Testament, constantly, it talks about people feasting in the presence of God. Feasting, to eat, to drink, to celebrate, to sing, to dance, to shout, to make music. All of these things, desires from God that people are called to use their bodies for These are appetites and desires and delights for your body as a way of remembering how good God is. Again, this does not mean indulging in destructive things. We are not to overindulge in certain things. We're not to abuse alcohol, abuse food, abuse our bodies. But we do need to celebrate every once in a while and feast on the good things that God has given us. I told you last week but that my car broke down about a month ago in South Carolina on vacation. So I had to fly there, get the car and bring it back. And I get to Cincinnati and I see this sign that says La Rosa's Pizza. If you've ever been to Cincinnati before, you should stop at La Rosa's Pizza. And so I see LaRosa's Pizza and I call my wife and I'm like, honey, I have a choice. I need your help. I can get Jimmy John's and eat it in the van or I can stop and enjoy LaRosa's Pizza. And she's like, exactly. She's like, pizza, stop. And then she said this, I want a happy husband when he gets home. So I don't know what that was about. So I stop at this La Rosa's pizza. I don't talk to anyone except the server, and I eat this. And all of a sudden, this image comes to my mind that I could invite God to come and hang out with me and just to thank him for this pizza. And so I'm there, and I'm like praying, and it looks like I'm talking to myself, and people are walking around, you know what I mean? But God and I, man, we're like chilling out. We are killing this La Rosa's pizza. That's an awesome thing to do, to thank God. For a gift like that. How about this one? Any of you here ever desire, anyone here, have you ever desired to be physically attractive? A whole bunch of guys didn't raise their hand. That's why some of you are still single, I'm just saying, you know. (sighs) Okay, send emails later. All right, I guess. Now, obviously, folks, this can get out of whack. It can lead you to vanity, preoccupation, arrogance. So it needs to be reined in. Proverbs 11.22 says this. A woman who is beautiful that lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. I didn't write it, so don't give me any. But you know what? This is really great. You know what it's really saying? It's saying that beauty of character is more important than the beauty of the way that you look. Now, the problem is our culture gets us all goofed up, and it says, no, 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 you have to look a certain way, you have to be a certain way, and that means you're attractive. And God's not like that. Like, do you think God sits from heaven after he's created you and goes, oh, boy, like maybe I should have done something different. No. He thinks every single one of his creations are beautiful. Every time you look in the mirror, the image of God is represented because he loves you and you're beautiful. God really wants us to use the desires, even for our physical body, to honor him. A few years ago, some hairdressers in our church came to me and they're like, hey, we want to use our gift of hairdressing To impact some other people. I said, okay. And they came up with a proposal. And they decided they were going to go to Head Start, which is a uh, preschool for financially challenged parents. And they were going to offer to cut any of the hair of the kids. Now, at first I was kind of like, I don't know about this. But I said, yeah, go ahead, go for it. And they went and they did it. It was amazing. The Head Start, they were like, oh, this is so great. And if you're a hairdresser, I hope that... uh, you'll think of like, hey, what are some ways we can do this? But it was caring for physical bodies, folks. But as it was caring for them, it was impacting a whole segment of our community and loving them in amazing ways. Again, folks, your physical desires can get kind of junked up and take you down the wrong road, but they actually can be used to honor God in great ways. Last thing, recreational desires. Recreational desires. We have desires for rest and recreation, for restoration. God made you this way. Did you realize God actually made you so that you would rest? Some of you are desiring that right now. Some of you are gratifying that desire like right now. God doesn't want you to do that right now, okay? You can do that later. I'll be done soon. God designed you, though, to stop sometimes and to just feel good and rest. In fact, in the Bible, it actually says that every seven days, every seventh day should be devoted to rest. One of the Ten Commandments is for you to take a day where you rest. In the Bible, every moment counts, even when you sleep, the psalmist says, it counts you're doing something spiritual. Rick Warren used to say that sometimes the most spiritual thing you could ever do is take a nap. Now, some of you are getting real spiritual lately, you know what I mean? But it's okay. And there are other things that we like, like hobbies or working out. When I run, it's not because, you know, I, I think it's going to necessarily do something. I feel pleasure and I feel connected with God when I allow that desire to take place of recreating David uh, he had this desire for music David was kind of a weird guy and sometimes he'd be out there and he was a shepherd so he's out with all these sheep and he's like man I want to do something and he'd pick out this lyre which was just a musical instrument and he'd start making up songs he'd like be singing to the sheep you know it's like bono with sheep you know what I mean they're like all around and there's this big crowd but they're all right there he's just like playing music And you might say, well, that desire doesn't seem very spiritual. But centuries later, I'll tell you what, when you look and you see someone who's in a casket and you're at a funeral, or you look and you're at the deathbed of somebody, rarely does Psalm 23 not be mentioned that says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear knowing. What if David hadn't followed that desire? Growing up as a kid, my parents thought we shouldn't just watch movies we wanted to watch that were fun movies for kids. But they thought we should watch educational movies too. And so in 1981, this movie came out, Chariots of Fire. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, oh, man, that's great. That's like a classic. When you're 10 years old and you're watching that for two hours, it is torture. And there's these English accents that are going on. And I was like, oh, geez. But later on, I learned more about the story of Eric Little. And my perspective changed. He was a Christ follower, but he was also a missionary longing to go to China to impact lives, which he eventually did. But he was also an amazing runner. And one day, his sister, who was one of these distorted kind of Christians who felt like desires other than God was wrong, approached him and said, Eric, no, 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 no. You should not be doing this. A person of your level should not be running. That's not spiritual. You should actually go and preach the word. And Little said this. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel His pleasure. When I run, I feel God's presence. I'm no Eric Little. I'm not that fast. But when I run, I feel God's pleasure. There are moments when I'm by myself and I'm just running, and I just feel like I'm doing the best thing, the greatest desire that I'm doing in that moment is actually being honored by God. And Eric Little went on, and he did amazing things in the name of Christ, and he used his gift of running to do that. And when you do that, when you start to become God's kind of person, you stay in the flow. Now again, with our recreational desire, folks, so it can get junked up, and it can get messed up, but they can also be used... Downright paths and not wrong ones. So this is the way I'd like us to close. I'm going to put up these five different categories of desire. And I'd like you to pick the one that out of all of those, if it were to be used for God and for his honor, which of these would God be prompting you in to use? Where is God saying, do something you love and invite me to actually come along with you so that you can learn to be in the flow of the Spirit even more so. And then come to love more and more and more this God who loves to satisfy our desires. That you could respect Him and honor Him by actually taking your desire and honoring Christ. For the past eight years, I've been on a crash course called Parenting 101. And I'm not by any means a perfect parent or know everything. It seems like I'm learning more every day. But one of the greatest pleasures I have in life, one of the greatest desires that I have in life is giving to my girls. There is hardly anything that gives me more joy than to try and meet one of their desires. And the best is when I figure something out that, like, they really, really want, and it brings this huge smile on their face. Sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's really, really small things. This thing happened just yesterday. They're like, Dad... I know you don't like selfies, but can we take a selfie? And you see their faces. They're just just a small thing. Recently, I had something that was a little bit bigger thing. I was able to spoil one of my daughters. I love doing that. And uh, our, our oldest daughter, Jordan, is playing soccer. And she had some soccer cleats that still fit, but they kind of smelled, and they weren't very cool, and... She just was like, uh. and so we went to Dick's Sporting Goods and I found these ones that were neon green and they were like really, really cool. And she walked up and she's like, that's, that's the ones I want. And I was like, ah, they're a little bit expensive. We, I don't think we're going to do that. And sometimes I do tell my kids no and, and we go on. But this was one of the times that I knew I could really meet a desire that she had. And she walked into another part of the store and I picked it up and I bought it for her and I gave it to her. And it was like this huge smile. It was like I gave her a million dollars. She was just so excited. I love to give my kids good gifts. You know, Jesus said this one day. He said, if you guys know about desire and you like to meet the desires of your kids, how much more so does your heavenly father love to give good gifts to his kids. God longs to meet the desires of your heart. They're easy to get junked up, but you can take one of these five and you can use them in powerful ways. And it's my hope and prayer that you will this week. Let's stand for closing prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. If you'd like prayer for anything, uh, they would uh, love to uh, pray for you. So if you'd like prayer for anything, they'll be here to pray with you. And uh, let's pray. God, more than anything else, you are the one who knows about every single one of our desires. And far too often, God, we get in trouble with them. We we get them junked up. So I pray this morning that there would be good, strong, powerful desires to kind of burn into the hearts of each person who is present here. Help us to put off any appetite or any desire that would lead us down a wrong road and help us to use the gifts that you've given to us. That we could go down the right path. And God help us. To love and desire you. More than anything else. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.